This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, I'm Liki. Hi, I'm Jen. What are your thoughts right now? What are we talking about now? We are going to talk about how becoming vegetarian or vegan can help the carbon problem. Oh, you said something that made me laugh. Can you, maybe you can say that again. (laughs) (laughs) I said right right off the bat, you don't have to go cold turkey. (laughs) (laughs) This is something that you can... um, And you don't have to become vegetarian or vegan to make a difference. You can just start a little bit at a time. But what is the problem with meat? Well, we have basically three kinds of meat that are part of the food industry. I mean, there's lots of different kinds of meat, but, but some of the biggest offenders are cows and pigs and poultry and uh, I think uh, sheep maybe a little bit less mm-hmm. so. They take an awful lot of uh, resources to feed. Mm-hmm. And then cows, particularly, their digestive system produces methane, which is a greenhouse gas, which is far more potent than carbon dioxide. And then their manure, their poop, emits additional greenhouse gases. And they take a ton of land. So there are so many reasons why cows, although I think cows are fantastic creatures and I love cows, (laughs) I don't want to eat them. (laughs) You don't want to eat because it takes a lot of land uh, for them to live and because they poop and they fart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, every creature does but that, doesn't the, it? <laughs> the fault is even worse than regular. Yeah. Well, and just some of the ways there are some humane treatment of, of animals out there, but the factory farming is a problem in multiple ways. There's just a lot of things that mean that, you know, choosing food that comes from a cow can be a choice that isn't the best for the planet. So, so we're talking about meat, but also dairies, right? Yeah, and I love cheese. I'm not, you know, I, I can't, it doesn't love me, so I can't eat very much of it. And most of the time in our house, we are, major- for the majority, we are plant-based, although we call ourselves flexitarians because <laughs> we have one vegan, we have one vegetarian, and we have a couple who are sort of flex on that. And by that, you know, we bought it, had a turkey at our Easter mm. turkey dinner. But we also had vegetarian and vegan options. We don't buy milk. We use oat milk. We use plant-based milk. We do other things. Um, but it's not. We're not a hundred percent in our family either. So we try to be the majority of the time. Try to be plant-based. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, yeah, who doesn't enjoy you know having 
a piece of steak or having something else. So it's a little bit of a dance, I think. Uh, But our attempt is to reduce the carbon footprint as much as possible and not get things that will damage the planet. Yeah, I think I've read somewhere that at the world scale, uh, we are eating more and more meat as compared to some time ago, that as the population gets richer, have more money, uh, we are spending more money on meat. And um, and we want people to be rich and have more resources, but it means that we are eating more meat. Well, and and it's not even just it, the the consumption of it; it's the production of it. Yeah. So you know, a chicken breast, one chicken breast, I read, takes seven hundred and thirty-five liters of water to produce. Really? That's a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And. That's a lot of water. That'll fill bathtubs, you know, four four and a half times. So that's a lot of water. And what's happened is that some of the ways that chickens are are treated are just, I mean, I can't even, (laughs) I don't think I've had chicken in a really long time. And I like chicken, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's just the thought of how they're produced that's a bit hard to take. So, I mean, I love chicken and sometimes I go to a farm and uh, yes. I buy it directly from the farm because the farmer lady, she uh, every year at the, beginning, at the beginning of springtime, she takes the order of how many chicken and ducks her customers want and then she takes the number and buy them the small chicks <laughs> and then breed mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. then you, and then we get the um, the animal, the chicken or the duck, at the end of summer. And I like it because during all summer yeah. I can go and visit the chicken. Well, that I will eat, but at <laughs> least I, I know that my chicken and my chickens had had a good life, you know. And that's the thing. We get eggs from a local farm as well. And you can, as you walk up the driveway, they're all running around. The The chickens are running around, <laughs> not the eggs, <laughs> the chickens are running around in the yard. And, uh, and you drop money into a box and take the eggs out of the fridge that are by the door. And it's... It's good because they're so much uh, healthier, the eggs. These are not stressed out chickens. They're running around having a good life. And you can actually tell from the color of the yolk. You take a look at the yolk and you see the difference between one that you know has been running around and eating things off the grass (laughs) compared to one that's jammed into a cage with its legs broken. You know, I I just can't do that. But the other thing about it is if you can pick more local, as you say, if you can choose meat that is grown locally uh, at a farm or or somewhere close by, then you're reducing the carbon footprint by not having meat that's transported from far away. Yeah, but I think that overall we're eating too much meat because um, I know that, you know, some people eat turkey for special occasions and some people eat for the Muslim, they will eat a lamb to celebrate, you know, uh, to celebrate the end of the fasting period. But but I understand that you want to celebrate, but having that every day, having a lot of meat every day, it's I don't think it's normal because those are traditions. And in the past, I don't think that the diet of people of us was so rich in meat. And I think it's because it came with I don't know what 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 made us want to eat more meat now. Yeah, and and part of it I think too is it was a bit promoted and we were told that a balanced diet included these particular items. Yes. 
And it, so it was a bit, in a bit, it was constructed mm -hmm. rather than a natural evolution. Um, and certainly if you lived on a farm or you were hunting or, you know, in days past, then that's what you would have to eat. That makes sense. If you were gathering things, if you were fishing, if you were, um, but when you're not catching it, yes. <laughs> when you're just going to the store and at any time of the year, you can get whatever kind of thing you want and you can get things that don't even exist in the area that you live in. You know, I can go to the store and, and buy ostrich meat if I wanted to. <laughs> we don't have, you know, um, uh, or kangaroo or things that don't exist in the areas that I live in. So there's things that, that it's so different now. Mm. And there's so much good food out there that you can eat and you can experiment with and you can try that doesn't have the same carbon footprint that you don't have to rely on cows or chickens or some of these animals that are produced in a way that is unhealthy for the planet. Yeah, I eat a lot of tofu I, uh, because I have Asian roots. And yes. um, tofu, there's a lot of protein. And I actually, uh, there are a lot of people in my family that are vegetarians, strict vegetarian, and they eat a lot of tofu as well. And they are very healthy. And um, for the, some people say, oh, well, if you don't eat red meat, you don't get iron. So what I do is I eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I like that idea. Yes. See, I, have, you know, I always have chocolate. <laughs> With you. Oh, she's showing me a bag of chocolate. There you go. <laughs> well, there's that. And there's, you know, that's a little bit of a fallacy as well that, that uh, I mean, there are definitely some things that you can only get from animal products, but there are supplements out there that you can uh, complete your diet with. But if you eat a variety of things, and especially yeah. if you're eating dark leafy green vegetables, you're getting some iron and you're getting, um, it, it's about the combination of foods that, that make up the protein. And so, you know, quinoa has mm -hmm. an incredible amount of protein in it. Uh, tofu, as you say, if you can eat tofu, seeds and nuts mm -hmm. are so good for you. And there's also the the idea that eating a vegetarian diet is is more expensive. It doesn't have to be. It, in many ways, you, you'll save money if yes. you're not buying meat yes. on a regular basis. And yes. um, I think that having a vegetarian diet requires more... I don't know if it's more work, but it makes you, it forces you to be more creative in terms of what you cook. But I think it's fun, yeah, to look for new recipes. And talking about recipes, I think the other day you mentioned that you have a great recipe for oat milk. Is that, that's very yeah. quick and very cheap. So I'd <laughs> yeah. like to hear it. Yeah, um, I have a lot of allergies. So there's allergies in our family as well. And so we've been making oat milk for a long time. And that's sort of the main milk that we have in our house. Sometimes coconut milk we use in cooking and baking. But oat milk is so fast, so easy, and so inexpensive to make. So I have a high-powered blender. It do You don't have to have a high-powered blender. You can have any kind of blender. And the recipe that I use is four cups of water and one cup of rolled oats. Now, if you use quick oats, which is fine, you just have to be faster oh. at the blending. <laughs> if you if you use rolled oats, you might mm -hmm. have to blend it for a little bit longer. It doesn't matter. You can add a little vanilla mm. if you want. I don't, but you can. 
You can also add a little bit of like cornstarch or something that thickens it. Oh, I don't bother okay. with that as well. We just right. do water and oats uh, because mm. we're not drinking it straight. We're usually putting it on cereal or putting it in a hot drink or doing something with it. Oat milk froths better if you've got a frother and you're trying to make a fancy coffee. It froths better than coconut milk or almond milk. And so you put the water in the blender, you put a cup of oat, oats in the blender, and you whiz it for only a few seconds, like a little bit of time. That's all. It'll turn white, white, white. And then you'll have the sludgy oatmeal that's left. And with them, what I do is I strain it through a fine mesh sieve. And I have, you can use cheesecloth. You can use a tea strainer would work really well. I have something that was initially made that you'd put yogurt in and then let it, let the uh, liquid drain out. And what you had left was good to spread on muffins and stuff. So I have this little kitchen sieve device, but you can use anything. And then we store it in a glass, an old glass milk bottle. Uh, but you can store it in anything and put it in your fridge. You have to shake it up because the stuff settles at the bottom. How long can you keep it in the fridge? Well, probably a week is oh, good. Wow. I mean, you know, what's left is sort of the gummy oats that are left. You could actually throw that in a pot with put some water in it because you're reconstituting it. Put some water in it and have yourself a bowl of oatmeal with what's left. So it's a zero waste recipe. You're not wasting anything. And you're getting a bottle of oat milk that you can then use in almost every recipe. It's thinner than, say, 2% milk. Um, it might have the consistency of 1% or skim milk, but it's great. And honestly, a cup of oats, how much does that cost? Yeah. Maybe 30 cents. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and you don't have any packaging to then have to deal with. I'm going to try this. Because I'm, a, I'm like you, I'm called, a, I mean, I call myself a flexitarian. And um, so I'm not, I'm not drinking cow milk. I eat cheese. I live in France, so I have no choice. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And I love that. But um, yeah, I drink a lot of oat milk. And uh, so I'm going to try that. Yeah, it will be a little bit different than the store-bought kind because sometimes they put in something that will stop it from separating as much. So, you know, you just have to shake it up before you use it, but it works perfectly fine. Wow, thank yeah. you so much for this recipe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe how easy it was, right? Well, but we also really like to try zero-waste recipes. So, Lovely. Uh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for You're this welcome. conversation. Thank you, Leaky. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again, as together we can change the world.